Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Once a good morning and welcome to Rider Rumblings. I'm not quite sure which one it is. I can tell you for sure though this one. Our Rob Vanstone is on holidays. So we have a very special guest and his name is Jeff Decker. And you may not know him. You may know him a little bit. He's been around in Regina Media for quite a while. But he's also currently is, uh, he covers the riders as a freelancer for CP. He writes those uh, pregame features and the uh, post games and the, the buzzer beaters while he's at Rider Games. So Jeff, welcome to uh, Rider Rumblings. I didn't do enough justice to what your background is. Give us a little quick synopsis of who Jeff Decker is, so people know an idea about a little bit about you. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, I'm a former LPer. I was there for almost 30 years. I did about 15 years on the uh, the copy desk, mostly in sports. And then the last 14 years, I was the entertainment guy. And then I retired. Uh, so I've been doing some consulting work. Uh, in the meantime, I started my own business, Plowboy Consulting. And I do some work with Fraser Strategy as well. I recently went back to work full-time. I'm now the Director of Communications for the uh, Regina and District Chamber of Commerce. And as you mentioned, I've been doing uh, rider coverage for the Canadian press for the last couple of seasons. Yeah, so you've had you've had this couple of seasons under your belt. I won't take you back too far. We're at, you know, eight-game mark for the riders, four and four. Got a game against the Elks on the weekend. Maybe just give it a quick, what do you, what do you, how do you look at this season? How do you sum things up, Jeff, for the riders this season from your view from the press box and other places? Well, it, it just seems like uh, from 2020, 2021, the riders seem to be on a, uh, an upward trend. And this season for uh, a myriad of different reasons, uh, that trend has now started a downward turn and the team is, is really struggling and it's it's almost uh, they're grasping at straws trying to find answers and find solutions, which in the middle of the season, when you're on a three-game losing streak, uh, that's a difficult thing to do. Making changes on the fly is probably the hardest thing uh, a sports team has to do. So I guess... We'll take the easy way out. Do we blame it all on Cody Fajardo? Is it all Cody's fault? Is it all this happy feet, his bad knee, his his uh, that's pretty well it is happy feet and his bad knee and the, the lack of an offensive line in front of him? Is it all Cody's fault with the way things are shaped up this season? No, I, I think that's probably an easy way out. Yeah, you, know, you have you can't forget that in the two previous seasons he was twenty one and eight as a starter. So obviously. He knew what he was doing, and uh, he he was uh, a good CFL quarterback. Uh, 
Uh, I think, though, when you take his legs out of the equation, it makes him an ordinary quarterback. It's the same. I think a good example is looking back at Bo Levi Mitchell last year with Calgary, where he had arm and shoulder problems, and he was not the same Bo Levi that we had seen in previous seasons. And now this season, he's 100% healthy. And look at that. He's back to the guy he was. And I think that's the same thing that's going to happen with Cody, that once he recuperates from the knee issues, he's going to go back to being the same quarterback he was the previous two seasons. The bad news for the Ryder fans is uh, with the knee problem, it's probably not going to be fixed to that point this season. That's going to be, I'm going to guess he's going to need some sort of surgery in the offseason. Uh, so I think any really big improvement you're going to see from him physically, it's not going to come until next year. Well, I'm not, I don't mean to question you, but uh, Craig, Craig Dixon said on the sports cages, he doesn't expect that uh, Cody's knee is going to need surgery after the season. He oh. seems to think it's going to be able to recover well, relatively well. But boy, is he Cody under the gun. Holy smokes. Between everyone wanting him benched to traded to, you know, to sitting, to resting and stuff. I just, he's kind of gone from the 2019, the poster boy for the Riders, to last year to being, you know, the quarterback. And this year, he's just under so much criticism. And I, I think some of it's warranted, but it was interesting to hear before he went on the bye week that he's not even going to follow social media. He was getting away from it all, which is an interesting way to approach things. I kind of thought, I remember back to the days when uh, Darren Durant was a quarterback, there was one bye week he stayed and he studied all the plays and looked at to see what went wrong and what went right. He's focusing on what went wrong. And I kind of thought maybe Cody would do that, but he needs a break. He's going to be a dad in a month from now. So I think he needed a break, but uh it's just a criticism that's just really surprising. And Rob, is, when he's not on holidays, has written some a lot of columns defending Cody. And I think some of them are warranted. But just Cody, I think he's got to settle down in the pocket. And I think you might you know, just stop the happy feet and try to just get settled down and start. And maybe and we all want to see the long passes. I think maybe just find the short pass, the intermediate stuff that works until they get healthy at receivers. And I think maybe we can start seeing Cody coming back to the type of player that he was in 19. So that's... I, well, I, I think the, the, the issue with the happy feet is just because that's not his norm. That's not what he's usually comfortable with, right? He drops back, and when he's under pressure, his first his first instinct, instinct is to get out of the pocket and make a play. And with that option taken away from him, I think that's probably why you see so much of the, much of the happy feet. And you have to also take into consideration the, the offensive line, especially when Dan Clark went down early in the year. They've struggled all season. Uh, they're really good in the, in the run uh, game. But as far as pass blocking goes, I mean, it's one, two, three, maybe sippies at the best of times. And that doesn't give you a lot of time as a quarterback to react. And you know as much as I do, Murray, over the years, uh, the favored rider athlete for fans in uh, in Saskatchewan is the backup quarterback. So, I mean, Cody's not in any position – different than any of the starters before him. Like there were Darian Durant went through all this stuff. Henry Burris went through all this stuff. So, I mean, uh, on one hand, I guess he, he wants to engage with the fans, but on the other hand, he's got to take it at what value it is. And it's just noise coming from the fan. And he's got to be uh, a confident athlete going forward and know that with the support of his teammates, the coaching staff, that he's going to make the right decisions on how to get back on track. I also think people aren't giving him enough credit for the fact that he's playing in pain. If you're watching that touchdown Atlantic play when he got that near sack, how much agony he was in. 
crawling around on the turf. And and I think if and some other people, some of athletes would say if it wasn't the quarterback, they'd be cheering. Yes, way to go, way to show the, the heart and the fortitude to, to play through that pain. But I think there are higher expectations for Cody and the fact that he's kept playing through this knee that keeps expecting to get better. Now, I don't know how it gets better. I think it's I, – I thought there would be surgery, but I guess he's gonna, it's just going to get better and he's somehow going to make it through. What I think you and I, Jeff, have to say – is the schedule from heck for the riders heading down here? <laughs> you look at this, they got the Elks on the weekend. And I'm not saying they're the anything, but they're still an East Division team. They play nine of their 10 games left against East Division teams. I'm going to go through almost not quite Rob's stats, like, but as much work as I do on stats. They play BC, Winnipeg, and Calgary, all three of them on back-to-back games. They play Winnipeg. They play Edmonton, so they, so they have the back-to-back games. They have all the West Division teams who are all superior except for the Elks to them right now. And I, I, I just think that, boy, this has crossover written all over it and not defending, not being the home team in the Great Cup. So what I think the schedule, I don't know who makes them up, but, boy, it's it's West Division heavy. But it's going to be fun to watch, I think. The Riders are really going to have to step up their game to be if they're going to get in even into the playoffs considering what they got ahead of them. Well, it's it's a good news, bad news scenario. The good news is because they've got such a string of nine out of 10 games with West Division teams, they kind of have their own destiny in their hands, right? If if they play well and they can pick up some wins, then they're going to have a, a, a good shot of making the playoffs and uh, uh, building on that string. The bad news is, is if they go into those nine games against the West Division teams and uh, have some serious issues and get on a bit of a losing string again, uh, even if they make it as a crossover, you don't want to go into the playoffs where you're, you know, you're nine and nine or eight and ten, and you're on a losing skid. Kind of hard to get momentum going forward when you you can't cobble together some uh, some wins and have confidence in your ability going forward. I think on the positive side, the Riders are going to get started getting healthier down the stretch here. Uh, well, Garrett Marino will return from his suspension. I think he's got one game left. Pete Robertson. Pete Robertson could be back. I'm hoping the next couple of weeks. I'm thinking that AC Leonard is a, probably a four weeks away, another defensive end. Uh, Micah Tights is eligible to return. I don't know where they're going to play him with the way Larry Dean and all the other linebackers are playing, but they still, he still comes back. Uh, Shaq Evans could be back for, could be returning relatively soon. I don't think Dan Clark's going to be back this season. I don't know. He's still hobbling around. So that's, that's obviously a very serious one, but I, I think they're going to get healthier down the stretch, which means good things going ahead. Maybe that receiving core will get a little boost from uh, from Shaq, but we saw what happened when Shaq came back last year from the broken leg. He was never, wasn't really himself. So maybe my optimism might be a little tempered on that, but uh, I think health is a big factor for this team. I think injuries have been a big part of it. And it's all, every team has injuries and I'm not using it as a reason or even an excuse. It's just what it is. And the Riders have been hammered with a lot of injuries, but no, Jeff, is there, is there an injury riddle guy, Jeff, that you're kind of thinking they maybe come back that'll have a huge impact on them in the next little while? Or is it just the old congratulation of all of them coming back? Well, I think it's a big deal that they're going to start getting guys back almost in bulk. But if you want to look at one guy that I think would make a difference, I always look back at Pete Robertson. The defensive line hasn't been the same since he's been out. I mean, he was so far ahead of everybody as most sacks in the league when he went down. And uh, then you add in the fact that A.C. Leonard's hurt as well. So the the pressure that the defensive line used to be able to uh, apply 
Uh, it, it just hasn't been the same. And then, of course, once you don't get pressure on the quarterback, then all of a sudden your linebackers and your DBs have to extend their coverage and, and uh, play coverage longer. That's a difficult thing to do. Uh, you know, a lot of people forget, like Edmonton's a good example of this next game. All the riders should kick them because they're a bad team. People forget these guys are professional athletes. And if you start taking guys like that for – for uh, taking them for granted that you're going to get burned and you're going to lose. So uh, again, the, the riders have to focus on what they can do. And I think when they get Pete back, I think that'll make a, a big difference to their uh, attack on defense, which will in turn help the defensive uh, uh, backs and the linebackers uh, become a little bit better as well. I'm wondering how much do you think this, how much of a benefit will this bye week have been to them? Are we going to see it as some of the players says, rejuvenated, refreshed, rejuvenated, reorganized all the reads. Do you think they're going to be this bye week? We're going to notice a different rider team. They're kind of, uh, I would say limped into the uh, bye week, but what are they going to come up, come up with a sprint at the end of the bye week? I think it's definitely going to be a positive for them. Not only from the point of, you know, over the course of eight games, the players are going to be nicked up. You can't play professional football with all the physical contact and not, get nicked up but you're never going to be as fresh as you were at the start of the season but the other thing that i i think about with this bye week is the COVID issues that they went through uh, they played a week after going through COVID protocol and i'm sure as much as the players that were in protocol and got back on the field they were you know quote unquote healthy to be there but COVID takes a, a bunch out of you and it takes a bunch out of your your wind and your you know, you haven't been exercising like you normally do. A uh, common trait is you lose weight. So I think maybe these guys, when they're off on that week, it's going to be one more week of getting over all that COVID stuff. And so I think you're going to see a healthier team in that aspect. That's a good point, Jeff. I, I having never had COVID and very, very little experience <laughs> with people who have had. I, I forgot about that because I know when Cody came back, the first time we talked to him after he talked about the, when he missed that game from COVID, his voice was still raspy and he still talked about how his wind wasn't quite there and stuff. And we kind of think it's like a, a really bad cold that takes a bit to recover, but that's uh, how they come back from COVID is going to be nice. Uh, what do you think Garrett Marino is going to come back or maybe looking, skipping over a game? Uh, what do you think his react, his welcome will be like through Rider Nation? Do you think they'll stand and cheer like some of the people did when he was escorted off the field? Or will they be more of a, what can you show us, buddy, now that you've had your your suspensions and things have come your way? I think you're going to see the majority of Ryder fans are probably going to want to see uh, if he's turned a leaf that, you know, they know he's a talented player. They know he plays with emotion, but uh, is, has he learned from this? You know, has he become a player that he's going to play hard in between the lines, but realize that once the whistle goes, you can't be doing foolish stuff. You have got to be in control of your emotions because if you're hurting your team with that stuff, what you do between the whistles doesn't really matter then. Right. So actually, I've talked to Derek Moncrief a few times about that. And, uh, you know, he really stressed to me that it's a physical game. You've got to be a gladiator. You've got to be a warrior. But at the same time, you've got to use your your intelligence in your head to to know where the line is drawn in the sand. And that, uh, well, I can't get into an argument with somebody after a whistle and punch them or push them because that's that's uh, going to be a negative impact on our team. And I, we've all seen through these eight games that discipline has been a problem and lots and lots of penalties. And uh, it's hard enough to win when you're doing everything right, but all of a sudden it's almost like they're setting up uh, 
hurdles in front of themselves with the undisciplined play. So hopefully I think, uh, I, I would hope that Garrett has probably learned something from this and uh, we'll see the change. I mean, as far as the people cheering when he went off the field after Mazzoli was hurt, I think a lot of the fans didn't realize what he was doing. Uh, unless you happen to take a peek at the big screen and saw his gestures. Uh, if yep. you were just kind of focused on the field as a whole, uh, you know, you just saw he had made a uh, big hit on, uh, on Mazzoli and the riders were getting, getting momentum. And I think they were cheering that more than, you know, him pumping his p- pointing to his yep. helmet, flexing and all that sort of stuff. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Well, the league sure doesn't agree with you, though, Jeff, because they came down hard in for that. <laughs> For those antics, they, they thought that was yeah. kind of, he knew what was going on. You know, it's kind of one of the questions I get asked, like, what's the status of Cody Fajardo? What's uh, Garrett Marino actually like? And we've only really talked to him once in two years. We had a, a Zoom call from last year, and he wasn't really very forthcoming, and no one's really talked to him this year. So it'll be interesting to see when he comes back to see what type of man he is, how what he does, because this, this is a turning point for his career, I think, if he wants to stay in the CFL, wants to do these kind of things, because – what he did is was unconscionable and disgusting and we're all and it's all coming back folks because as soon as he comes back regardless if he says he doesn't want to talk about it media we're going to want to talk about it because it still is something that's it's unresolved in our minds that uh, what he did and why he did it and uh, what he learned over these four games because he's the only one who can really answer those questions I guess Jeff I'm just going to take a little spin here we're talking negative 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 and that's how we make our money cynicism and negativity is how our sports writers do stuff is there something on the riders that they're doing right that's got them to four and four, that's got them to five hundred after eight games? Is there something you see out there go, yeah, that's that's a pretty good spot for this football team. That's a good that's something that shows a positive going ahead for them, these guys. You see anything? That's there's, a there's a few you. things. I mean <laughs> we we took we talked a little earlier about uh you know the offensive line struggling, but when it comes to running the ball, they they do a really good job. I mean, they're up to uh I think, uh, oh, goodness me, they're averaging 5.4 yards a carry, an attempt, I think. So when you ask them to run the ball, I think they can do that. That That's a benefit. That's something that offensive coordinator Jason Moss is going to have to uh, take into account with his game plans going forward. Uh, I did notice last night going through some stats, uh, the Riders run the ball probably the second most of any team in the league. So when you hear the fans screaming about, well, come on, you got to run the ball. He is running the ball. The the problem they run into is when you're uh, second and long, uh, that really forces your hand and what you can do with your play calling. Uh, On the other side of the ball, uh, you have to be impressed with the linebackers. I mean, those guys Mm -hmm. have been amazing. Uh, Sure-handed tackling. uh, It, never ceases to amaze me when I see Sankey running down the field and making leaping interceptions or uh, catching up to a running back from the other side of the field from 20 yards away. You don't think someone his size should be that athletic, should be that fast. 
very impressive. And the defensive backs, I was kind of amazed, you know, when they lost uh, some veterans from last year, I thought, mm, this is going to be a work in progress. But you know what, they, they have been pretty good, you know, all things considered. So there are a, a few uh, things that are positive that the riders can build on and move forward, I think, uh, as the season goes into this really difficult part. Because it's funny, people talk about how O'Day didn't bolster the offensive line during the offseason. And obviously there are some shortcomings, but boy, look at the positions he did bolster. Like Larry Dean was coming back, but getting Larry Dean back, getting Derek Moncrief there, getting uh, Darnell Sankey as a linebacker, signing those, those. Those people cost money, and that's maybe he saw that as positions that he could bolster and did an amazing job at. And now it's coming back to people saying, well, he should have bolstered the offensive line. And yes, but I don't remember a whole lot of great offensive linemen out there. Once they were signed, they were left with what they had. I kind of thought Jamal Campbell would be more involved in the offense. I thought he'd be ahead of Natai Rogers, but for some reason they're sticking with a tie who has his struggles. He had a couple of games where he would cut down on the penalties and, uh, and those kind of things, but he kind of had another bad game where he was just sort of manhandled by the BC Lions. So he's a guy that's got to pick it up, but, I, th- I think those uh, linebackers, I'm with you too. It's, and it's fun to watch. Moncrief is just an amazing player. So Sankey and Larry Dean, considering uh, this time last year, he was in, on the crutches with, still on crutches, I guess, or one of those boots from a torn Achilles tendon. He's just an amazing player to watch. So there is some positive things to come from it. Uh, Jeff, I don't necessarily going to throw another one. Do you think uh, O'Day and, and Dickinson are on the hot seat yet for what's happened? Do you think they're under a little bit of pressure for the riders this kind of season? The way the season's shaping up, or is it still too early in the season to throw them under the, the bus? Oh, I, I, I think it's still I think it's still a little early. I mean, they're at 500, for goodness sake. So uh, I don't know if you want to get rid of uh, your GM or your head coach when your team is at 500. Uh, I think where a lot of the pressure comes, though, is people thought because the Riders were going to be hosting the Great Cup at Mosaic Stadium this year that uh, – uh, the riders were going to load up and make a run to make sure they were going to be in the game. So I think that's where it all comes back on. You know, you talked about the signings he made on the defensive side of the ball. And then, you know, you get the fans who are complaining, well, he didn't make similar signings on the offensive line. And you raised a good point that uh, the marquee offensive guys that were available, they cost too much money. You have to remember uh, it's a salary cap league. And you're very limited once you give out larger, a few larger contracts. You really have to watch your purse strings. And I think another thing, as far as bolstering the offensive line, uh, Taron Vaughn missed all last season with a shoulder injury. And so it's almost like that was a new signing when having Taron come back into the lineup this year. And I mean, he's, he's showing a bit of a rust. I think his his shoulder probably, I know he's, he's missed a game with it. And, uh, but on the other side of the coin, there's a guy that's a proven dominant lineman in the league. And, uh, you know, if you look into the crystal ball, you think that he's going to regain that form at some point this season. And uh, that's definitely going to help the offensive line moving forward. And as far as uh, Natai Rogers goes, um, I agree with you. I, I'm really shocked that we're eight games into the season. And given his track record over those eight games, that he's still starting. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if if a game off would, would help him kind of recalibrate and get back to where the riders expect him to be. But every game, he's uh, he has a couple of oh-my-goodness moments when somebody wishes by him and sacks the quarterback. And then he's he's one of these guys that has a discipline problem. 
Uh, he get, he takes a lot of penalties after the whistle. And, and when I say a lot, sorry, I, I don't make it want to make it sound like he's taking an objectionable conduct or a roughing penalty every game. It just seems that way. And he, he seems to take them at the worst possible time. So, I mean, there's a guy that I think he knows he's struggling and that's almost responsible for these penalties because he's mad that he's struggling and he's upset. And so he, he reaches out and maybe poke somebody or hit somebody after the whistle. And then, and, oh, goodness, I've set us back again. So we'll see how the riders go with them. I, I know uh, I've got some buddies who are season tickets, and this is they almost talk about it, Rogers as much as they do about Fajardo. They, he, it's really frustrating to them that he's still starting. We can't, we can't forget, too, that O'Day did spend a lot of money to sign Duke Williams, you know, one of the second-highest contracts. And Duke's – he has up and downs, I guess. It's kind of in a down moment right now. I don't know if that's to do with Cody's knee or whatever's going on, but I'm looking for Cody to Duke to come back and have a stronger second half. Well, it's not quite the second half this season. And maybe play, maybe show the Duke that we saw towards the second half of last year was so important and for the league's for the Riders' offense. But that's a whole other thing. Well, I know with Duke, I, I've been surprised a couple of times this season at uh, passes that he's dropped that it's totally unlike him. So I don't know if, uh, you know, if he's having some physical issues as well, that maybe he, I, we've seen this a couple of games this year where he's taken some hellacious hits where I'm amazed he got up and got off the field and even more amazed that he got back on the field to continue playing. So, I mean, I, I want to be, I don't want to say gentle, but I want to be fair when I'm trying to judge his performance because I really don't know what he's dealing with, with physically. Uh, mm-hmm. If I am assuming he's a hundred percent healthy, well then, yeah, he, I think he could be doing better. He's uh, you know, you're a pro athlete, you're making the big bucks. And if you get two hands on the ball, you need to catch that. That's the expectation. But on the other side of the coin, you know, I know he uh, had some neck and shoulder issues with a hit that he took earlier in the year. Uh, his legs are a little sore at this point. So, you know, uh, where do I draw the line and what I'm going to hold them to a standard as a fan? I think the fans are holding him to that higher standard, regardless of his physicality, whether he's, uh, got a few nicks or, or whatever, they expect him to earn his salary each and every game and be a, a difference maker for the Rough Riders. And we've talked extensively about the Rough Riders and considering this is called Rider Rumblings, it's rightfully so, but... <laughs> If I say to you, Jeff, Nathan Rourke is, how would you finish that sentence? Nathan Rourke is amazing and incredible. I mean, uh, he, I watched him when he was here. And the first thing, of course, that jumps out at you is his arm strength and his accuracy. The man has a rifle for an arm. But what really impressed me, we talked earlier about Cody having happy feet in the pocket. This guy's sense in the pocket is just amazing that he can feel the pressure. His eyes are still down the field, but he knows, okay, I've got to take a step or two up into the pocket to get away from the rush. I've got to move to my left or right. And he buys himself time. And, you know, we talked about Cody, the main part of his game being the rushing angle. Uh, Nathan is no slouch when it comes to running. Uh, he can, he can, he can wheel for a big guy. And I think the play that most impressed me, 
uh, when he was here against the Riders was he rolled out to his left. And being a right-handed quarterback, that's a hard throw to make. And so he's on his left rolling out, and he zipped the ball about 20 yards downfield that was right on the money. And that, that was a, an OMG moment, OMG moment for me, that this guy's got a lot of skill. And I've been listening to the talk radio in town for the last couple of days, and they're talking about NFL teams uh, beginning to show interest in him. And that, that doesn't surprise me in the least. I kind of thought after that quick start where he had the three games, okay, teams are going to get film on him, and they're going to be able to set up defenses that are going to force him into spots where he's a little weaker. And that hasn't been the case. He had one middling game, but he's regained his stride, and he's just continues to be the front runner for the MOP award in the league, in my humble opinion. That first half he had against the Elks, I think it was 370 yards passing in that neighborhood, five touchdowns. Like Just a half you don't expect to see anymore in the CFL. It's almost like if the CFL had a video game, they had the video game numbers. Like mm-hmm. You just watch him. And you keep waiting for him to do something wrong, and he keeps doing something spectacular. But also, one of the things that I, I think the Lions did a great job, they're not paying him the high big bucks the quarterbacks are making in the 400 grand. So they have money to spread around their receivers, which they've done a great job at. Brian Burnham returns, Dominic Grimes, Lucky Whitehead, uh, Keon Hatcher. You, they're, you know, there's some of the top five receivers in the league on that team because the quarterback doesn't make the four hundred thousand dollars. That's a, a good, a good clap on the a spack, a slap on the back or pat on the back. Sorry, okay. to the Lions management for getting showing the fortitude and the smartness and the salary cap awareness to get those type of players. But that that's what's going to make this second half of the season so even more interesting in the first half is these teams get watching at the BC Lions and how they continue to improve. And let's see, same token, at the bottom, what how what are the Elks going to do? Are they going to improve? Are they going to be, are we going to, what type of team are we going to see down the stretch for them? You know, uh, I think uh, Chris Jones said that was one of the most amazing performances he's ever seen in the CFL when he watched work do what he did. So we'll have to see what Chris uh, Jones can get from the Elks this weekend. Jeff, what do you think against the Elks this weekend? We'll wrap our head towards that. Well, you know, I, I think you're going to get the same as whenever Chris goes to a new team, uh, he usually takes that first season to rebuild everything. You know, like he tears everything down, starts to bring his guys in, guys that fit his system that he, he trusts that he knows are going to play his way. I mean, you think back to the first year he was with the Riders. Uh, it was uh, mm-hmm. pretty ugly at times. And I think you're going to see the same with uh, with uh, the Elks. Uh, at this point, I mean, you look at their quarterback situation, you know, going with Cornelius as their starter and then some unsung Canadian kid as, as the backup. And he's he's not trying to bring in a, a veteran guy because he knows this is a work in progress and he's going to grab his quarterback in the offseason. He's going to get a veteran guy that's going to come in and uh, be able to run his offense the way he wants it run. And, and I, I kind of giggle when we talk about uh, the backup quarterback being the most popular guy in uh, in Saskatchewan the other thing that Regina fans love to do is they love to run offensive coordinators out of town so now yeah. you've got Stephen McAdoo who was here and man the fans were all over him I mean the guy won a, won a great cup as an offensive coordinator he won a great cup as a offensive line coach but now he's back with Chris in uh, in uh, Edmonton and he's got to be looking at Regina and seeing all the grief that Jason Moss has taken. And I don't know if he's laughing, but I'm certainly 
uh, sure he understands what Jason's going through because he lived it for a number of years. So, I mean, Ryder fans are going to be Ryder fans. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what Chris comes up with next year. Uh, I'm, I'm, I would suggest that next year the Elks are going to be significantly better. Uh, that's just going by uh, Jones's previous track record. Yeah, I think they're going to be better too. Well, Jeff, that's been great. Uh, thanks for your time. I now have to read our famous outro, which I hope I can get this right. I don't know if you ever made it to the end of Rider Rumblings and heard this, Jeff, but here you go. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com, and we'll read it on the show. You can follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Vanstone or me at MurrayLP or Jeff DeDecker at... The Plowboy. Plowboy? Okay. He's on Twitter, too, and he talks a lot of it, too. And that's about it, Jeff. Thanks for your time again. I appreciate it. And uh, I won't tell anybody how far back Jeff and I go in our careers, but it's been a long, <laughs> long time. <laughs> But we've been around for a while. So uh, thanks again, Jeff, for being with us. And uh, we'll see you at the next game. Thanks for the invite, Murray. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll see you in the press box uh, next week. 